0: We're still in Genesis. I know that's a shocker. Hey, but we're going to jump a lot today because I'm not going to read all of the scripture. You're going to have to go back and do some of the the Paul Harvey on your own for the rest of the story. And and I promise you it's worth it. There's there's a lot of interesting stuff and relatable things and non-relatable things. Uh, Part of Jacob's life reads like I don't know, Desperate Housewives. I mean, it's it's stuff I looked at Denise and I said, I am not comfortable, you know, necessarily preaching that. But it's not really the heart of the message this morning. But there's some really funny stuff in there because he had multiple wives and, and how they sorted things out amongst themselves. Uh, this dude didn't have a chance. But... Uh, the like I told you last week, I, I struggle with Jacob because I relate to him in a lot of ways, and, and you're going to get to see that today because uh, a lot of people like to talk about the, the moment in Jacob's life that we'll end with today. And, and I thought about you know trying to do the whole uh, start with where we were going to end and still end there, but we were going to start there. I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm. I'm not going to try and be clever this morning. I'm just going to simply give you, the. The reality is, is the. The wrestling match between Jacob and God was going on long before we see it described in Scripture, and I'm going to. I'm going to show you that today, and it, it brings me great comfort that one of the patriarchs, the, one of the big three that, still get listed, in in most blessings in Israel today when when fathers bless their sons they still talk about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And and I I look at this guy's life and I think he's one of the big 3 but he, he's just as as messed up and struggling with things as I am. And and it's a beautiful thing to see this morning, and and I, I hope that when we get through, you'll go back and you'll read all the parts we skip over and just see how much of a struggle this guy's life was. I mean, it. it I can't imagine having a house with four wives, and by the time it's all said and done, 12 kids, and I mean, and he's managing a large mobile livestock Company. I mean, there's a lot to this. And sometimes we just read over it because we've read the stories, we've read the stories, we've read the stories. We don't ever really think about it. If Jacob lived today, what his life would look like. But picking up last week, we we ended with mom convincing dad to send him away to get a wife because uh, she hated her life because of the women that were around her. You know, I I still laugh at that. I hate my life because of the Canaanite women. That is still one of the best lines of the Old Testament so far. But Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there at night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. You want to talk about somebody who got a really cool blessing from God. And I'm not telling you to go find you a big stone from the field and use it as your pillow. But you know God took exactly where Jacob was And started reaching out to him. And and Jacob is already seeing things from God that other people in his own line didn't get to see. You know, you you don't hear about Isaac with God passing on the promise to Isaac. He He doesn't do it in such a dramatic way where you got to see into the supernatural. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep. This is where I I relate to Jacob because it's like, smack your head. Because, I mean, he didn't realize it until after the dream, but he awakes from the dream and says, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. A little sidebar, I challenge you this week when you roll out of bed in the morning, Say that to yourself in the mirror. Surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. I didn't know it. I'm telling you, how many times do we miss out on the blessings of God because we're just like Jacob. God was in this place and I didn't know it. You know, God, you were in that moment. I didn't know it till afterward. God, you know, that that horrible thing I went through, I didn't realize you were in it until now and it's like smack my head how can i be such a dummy and he was afraid and said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of god and this is the gate of heaven any of you ever see that in your life (laughs) you know i i i I don't want anybody to get offended, but that's not what I think when I walk through the doors of the building. I don't view a building as this is the gateway to heaven because I'll tell you what the gate to heaven looks like. It was the cross on Golgotha. And the house of God is right here because He said it would be. He said, I'll make my dwelling with you and in you. Now, it ain't a pretty house, but this is a temporary house. And if you go back and you really read the, the Greek on that, he was talking about a temporary house that God would temporarily set up home here because he's got a permanent place. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and he set up for a pillar. There's going to be a lot of pillars today too. I'm just telling you. He set up a pillar, poured oil on top of it, and he called that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first, and I'm not going to go into those names today because I got to keep going. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Okay. Abraham, Isaac, we don't hear about giving a tenth back to God again until Jacob. Kind of an interesting side note. We'll leave it where it is. But I looked at this and there's a whole lot of if in there. Jacob's saying, if, if, if you go with me, if you give me food, if you give me clothing, if you bring me safely back to my father's house, he puts all these ifs out there for if you do this, you'll be my God. And I want you to understand that made me feel a lot better because sometimes that's how my faith looks. God, if this is your will, I need this to happen. So that I know that I'm walking in the way. God, if if you do this, I I'll, you know, do this. If you let the the cowboys win, you know, we won't go there, but you know, we sometimes we make the patriarch so high and so holy we can't reach that standard. But Jacob is giving God a whole lot of ifs and this is why i think and i i want you to see what i saw this week that that jacob is already wrestling with his identity and with the identity of who god is to him god if if you can do all this then yeah then you're really real doesn't matter what i saw in my dream doesn't matter that you were always faithful to my grandfather that you were always faithful to my father if, if you're going to be real to me, there's all these ifs I need you to fill in. And now we're going to fast forward a long way into Jacob's life, okay? You're going to miss out on him getting married twice. Okay, let, let me give you the quick rundown of it. He goes to Padaram, which is Mesopotamia, back to his family, to his ancestral homeland. And he runs into his uncle Laban. And Laban has two daughters, Rachel and Leah. And Rachel's really pretty, Leah's really not. And and Jacob really, really, really wants to marry Rachel. And Laban doesn't want either of his daughters to marry any of the schmucks from his own country. He wants them to stay in the family and have good bloodline. So... He tricks Jacob, and we'll cover more of how that could happen later. But uh, I'll give you the quick rundown of it. The weddings back then were a big feast and party, then the marriage. And most of the time, the groom didn't even see the bride until they were at the honeymoon chamber. And the honeymoon chamber was darkly lit. Uh, The groom was probably lit as well on alcohol. And he wakes up the next morning to find out this is not the bride I had wanted. You know, he's expecting to wake up to that beautiful face of of Rachel and, oh, it's Leah. (laughs) And he goes back to Laban and says, what have you done? Why have you beguiled me? Why did you trick me? And he said, hey, this is just how it is in my country. You don't marry off the older daughter or the younger daughter before the older daughter. But I'm willing to let you have them both for the bargain price of seven more years of labor. And Jacob really... Rachel must have been something. If this dude's willing to go another seven years after being tricked by his uncle. And, and he goes this next seven years. So there's 14 years just to get his wives And then he continues another six years. And there's a whole lot of cool stuff that God does to bless Jacob and to build his empire of of livestock. And I, I don't have time to break that all down quickly for you. I'm just telling you that everything where Laban tried to trick him out of livestock, God flipped it on Laban and blessed Jacob. And... And we're jumping in right near the the end of his time with Laban and livestock in Genesis 31. Laban had gone to shear his sheep and Rachel stole her father's household gods. Okay, Mesopotamia, you carved your gods and you had them set on the mantle in your house. Uh, not that different from TV for us, but uh, I'm not going to be the judge of TV today because I watch TV too, so... You know, if you're the hit dog, it usually yelps. Uh, and Jacob tricked Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him he intended to flee. The, the backstory to this, Jacob heard Laban's sons talking about how it's ridiculous. He's going to take everything we own. We've got to do something to get rid of this guy. And and I think Laban felt the same way. He saw his own empire dwindling because Jacob was being dramatically blessed. And he tricked Laban by not telling him he intended to flee, and he fled with all, the, all that he had. He arose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. And when it was told to Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he had a three-day head start. And I'll tell you why Laban catches up to him, because Laban's not taking four wives on a trip. Anyway, uh, when it was told Laban on the third day Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him, pursued him for seven days, and followed close after him in the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream by night and said, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And Laban overtook Jacob, and now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, Why have you done that? You have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword. Why did you flee secretly and trick me and did not tell me that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs and tambourine and lyre? Why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and daughters farewell? Now you have done foolishly It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And now you have gone away because you long greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? See, Laban's talking this all out with Jacob, trying to figure it all out. And, And I love the fact that Laban brings up that the God of your father spoke to me last night. Laban's never going to take on the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And and he's really struggling with the fact that if you were going to leave and go back to your own country, why would you take my gods? The rest of the story there, Jacob didn't take them. Rachel did. And... There's a really fun story for you to go fill in the blanks of how she tricks her dad one more time and gets to keep those gods until Jacob gets rid of them. And I'm not, I'm not doing it. I, I told Denise it would be way too fun and way too easy, but, uh, but Jacob's answer right away to Laban is because I was afraid. How many of you have ever done something quickly because you were afraid? I see more of myself in Jacob. I've made bad decisions buying vehicles in the past because I was afraid. I've made snap decisions that that ended up God used them for good, but in the moment it was because I was afraid. There have been other times that I've just been afraid to the point where I couldn't make a decision he tells him, I was afraid, for I thought you would take your daughters from me by force. And, and we go on, and that's where you're going to catch, if you're in the Bible right now, you'll catch that story of, of how uh, Rachel kept those gods. And uh, I'll just give you a little hint. It's one of those things that men do not like to go shopping in stores for their wives because of that. If you can't connect those dots, you really need to read the Bible and have a good laugh. Okay? Because that's the worst shopping experience of my day when I go alone. But Jacob's reply eventually, he's had enough of his father in law. And, and this is the, the angry version of it. These 20 years I've been in your house, and I have served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. He's He's still not declaring him my God. He's still, and I want you to see this that that he's got wives in his house that are adamantly, desperately trying to serve other gods. And, and, you know, we, we sometimes struggle with that in our household that, you know, our kids are chasing after all the wrong things. I want you to understand that Jacob had all that going on, Jacob got to see that up front. And in the middle of all this, Jacob's trying to figure out his identity and his identity, more importantly, in God. And Laban answers to Jacob, says, the daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do for these my daughters or for their children whom they have born? Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. Laban at the same time realizes that his daughters have made a life with this man, that his grandchildren have made a life with this man, and they're going, and there's really nothing he can do to stop it. But he wants to make a covenant agreement, and part of this is to protect his own business as well. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his kinsmen, gather stones, and they took stones and made a heap, and they ate thereby the heap. And Laban called it Yegersadutha, but Jacob called it Galid. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me today. Therefore he named it Galid and Mizpah, for he said, the Lord watch between you and me when we are out of one another's sight if you oppress my daughters or if you take wives besides my daughters, although no one is with us, see God is a witness between you and me. Both, both the previous names, Jagar, Sadutha and Galid both mean witness pile. That that the pile itself served as a witness, as a landmark. and, And the Hebrew word Mizpah took it a step farther. It can't just be a witness pile. It had to serve as a watchtower. That that God, that this tower represented that God was watching over this agreement. And... And Laban said to Jacob, See this heap and the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness and the pillar is a witness that I will not pass over this heap to you and you will not pass over this heap and pillar to me to do harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac, And Jacob offered a sacrifice in the hill country and called his kinsmen to eat bread. They ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. See, Jacob's still not... He's still on the fence. Not declaring that, you know, God is my God. They keep referencing them as the... And Laban did too. He declared it to be the the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor. And he's separating them on purpose because they're not the same God. And Nahor recognizes this. Jacob swears by his father because he's still wrestling with the idea that God could really choose him. How how could you choose me, God? I'm so messed up. And Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. and, And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called that place Manna, Mahanaim. <clears throat> That's a fun one to say. And then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, female servants, and I have sent them to my lord in order that I may find favor in your sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you and there are 400 men with him. You don't number men coming to meet somebody in this day and age unless it's an army. And Manahem means two camps. Jacob made his camp here and he recognized that God had a camp here as well. He didn't include himself as part of God's camp. Do you see the struggle? Do you see that he's still, you know, I want the blessing of God, but I want God in his own camp right here. I I don't want to be in his camp. I want him in his camp, and I want my camp. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people that were with him. And the flocks and the herds and the camels into two camps thinking if Esau comes to one camp and attacks, then the other camp will be left to escape. God talked him into this. You want to declare there's two camps? Well, I'll make two camps out of you, buddy. Here you go. You're going to split your own camp because you're a chicken. And I'll summarize this really quick for the sake of time. Jacob starts sending out people from his camp in waves as gifts to his brother. Thinking I'll soften his heart with with just giving him a bunch of stuff. And, and And he struggles here because he's praying to God. And he said, you know, God, I'm back here in the country you told me to come back to. And you promised. And he starts listing out the promises. You know, I've become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him that he'll come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. God, I... I, I know, I, I, I said, you were in your camp, I'm in mine, but I remember what you said. You said you were going to multiply me. And right now, I'm staring in the face of someone who can wipe me out. And I need to know what's going on. And Jacob went on to divide everything that night, and he sends his family across the, the stream or the ford of the river Jabbok, And he sent away everything else that he had and it was just him. And Jabbok means emptying. He got to that place where he he just emptied himself out. And when Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob's in the fight of his life. And in the middle of it all, he hangs on to this guy, even though he gets his hip dislocated, which is one of the most painful injuries you can have outside of breaking your femur. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Jacob. He's not asking him, what is your name? Okay, He he doesn't want to know, what is your name? He says, what do you identify yourself as? And Jacob, we all know, was the one who grabs the heel, the one who tricks, the one who supplants. And that had been his destiny up until this point. If you look at his life, all he'd done through a series after series after series was trick and deceive people. Trick, deceive people, run for your life. Trick, deceive people, run for your life. That was the the strategy that he was getting through life with that he had built his identity around. And then this person wrestling with him said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven or struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. I'm giving you a new identity that's in me you don't have to wrestle with who i am anymore you you see the great struggle that jacob had he was wrestling with who god was not who god was to abraham not who god was to isaac but god who are you to me and i think we still struggle with that today i I think if, if you don't struggle with that i wonder about your faith because the, there are still parts of who God says He is in His Word that I struggle with because He hasn't made that real to me. So just like Jacob, I wrestle with God. I wrestle with Him. And, and the beautiful thing is that the more I wrestle with God, the more He allows me to overcome those misplaced parts of my identity. I don't have to find my validation in these things that I struggled with because God said you're more than enough. You were enough for me to send my son to die on the cross for you. You were enough. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. He, He wants to be able to call God by name. Something that Abraham didn't get to do. Isaac didn't get to do. And Jacob's not going to get to do it either. He said, why is it you ask my name? And then he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been delivered. And the sun rose on him as he passed Penuel, which is just another spelling of Peniel. And he was limping because of his hip. That, that's one of those great moments where you come a-walking, Cletus, but you're going back a-limping. You know, you, you go... And, and I always wondered why God did that to him A- until this week. And, and facing God, when Jacob finally came face-to-face with God and allowed God to change and rewrite his destiny, he also allowed God to change the pace at which he would live life. He was no longer going to be the the hustling, wheeling, dealing guy to make his ends meet because he lacked the ability to run away from people now. He was going to have to change who he was. He was going to be different. So many times I wish spiritually, mentally, emotionally, God would break my hip. So that I would get off the pace of this life and live at the pace He wants me to be. Because in God's pace, there's peace. The pace of this world is always anxiety and chaos. How many of our struggles are based outside of our identity in Christ? How many times the the stuff you struggle with is the stuff that you've placed in that second camp, like Jacob did? Well, Well, you know, God really doesn't care about that. Yes, He does. Do we really look to face God and wrestle with Him to find our identity? Those are tough questions to to just drop on you and and leave and run off to the Caribbean. (laughs) But I'm going to spend some time on the boat looking out at the water and, and asking myself those same two questions. How many of my struggles have I based or given a camp outside of my identity in Christ? And maybe that is the heart of the issue of why I struggle with them. And do I really look to, to face God, to, to really look at who He is, who His Word declares Him to be, and to wrestle with Him to find, how do I fit in there? How do I really belong there? You know, am I, am I really your child that, you know, big brother, Jesus, said I would do greater things than he did. Why am I not doing those things? And I, I think if we're all real, we have to become a little bit like Jacob and Russell. And understand the threat is very real that God may spiritually break your hip. I'm not praying that physically over anybody. <laughs> okay? But that God would put us on a pace that would bring Him glory.